Welcome back to the Chris Gates Fitness Podcast. My name is Chris. I am your host, and I appreciate you being here today. Today is part two of our, really, it's our, our spring Q&A, right? We're just at the beginning of spring here. Um, I got another five questions to dive into today on the podcast, and I'm super excited to get into them. What we're going to be talking about today, uh, questions are, what is a calorie deficit and how do you track it? When should you do a deload week? What supplements do do I use? And, and I, this those were a number of questions about supplementation. What should you use? What shouldn't you use? What do I use? So we'll cover all of those bases. Um, the best way to get restarted after a long layoff with training and with spring break coming up, what can I do to feel more confident in a bathing suit? So lots of good stuff to dive into. I think these are all really, uh, really good questions that, I, that, that most people could could relate to and and learn from. So this is going to be a good episode. Um, Before we dive in, as always, I'm a coach. So if you're interested in getting any type of uh, help, guidance, programming for what your goals may be with training and nutrition, I would love to help you out. That's what I do. I work with people all over the world to put together training and nutrition programs that specifically uh, walk people to their goals step by step. I take all the guesswork out of it for you so that you can just do the work and see the results, which is a lot of fun. Uh, There is a link to my coaching page in the show notes for this episode. So if you're interested in um, learning a bit more about what coaching looks like, hit that link, go over to my website, check it out. And if you're interested in talking about what your goals are are and what a program might look like for you, fill out a application form and I will follow up with you and uh, we can talk more about what you're interested in achieving. But uh, yeah, let's dive into the episode today. We could start off with the first question, which is what is a calorie deficit and how do you track it? And you know, this is something that I don't know that I outline enough on social media. So what what I did for this episode was I put a call out for questions on all of my social media accounts. And if you're not following me, I am Chris Gates Fitness on every social media account. So please look me up and give me a follow. Um, I asked on uh, Instagram and on TikTok, and I even got some questions from clients and packaged them all together for this Q&A. And I realize occasionally that like I talk about all these things that are strategies to help you in your calorie deficit, but I don't necessarily talk about what a calorie deficit is. And as new people follow along and follow me, they probably haven't heard me explain what a calorie deficit is. And if you're new to listening to the podcast, you may not have heard that either. So I'm going to explain it for you here. I think it's always good to refresh this one because calorie deficit is a really important concept to understand. So what is a calorie deficit? A calorie deficit is when you are taking in fewer calories than you are burning each day. You're taking in fewer calories from food than your body burns. And I always follow that up with, that does not mean that you should then try and burn as many calories as possible to get yourself in a calorie deficit, okay? Just because like that idea of you know eating fewer calories than your body burns does not mean you need to make your body burn more. Um, Really, the best way to get into a calorie deficit is to track your nutrition, find out how many calories you're eating on average, and then reduce from there. There's a ton of research that shows in order to lose weight, like there have been these weight loss studies, weight loss protocols where they'll, they'll actually test this, like what's more effective, making changes to your nutrition or making changes to your exercise routine and like, across the board make adding additional exercise 
does not statistically show that it leads to more weight loss, but we see statistically significant results of when you make nutritional adjustments, when you reduce calories, it leads to weight loss. So there's a ton of evidence out there that is very clear. You should not try and out-exercise a bad diet. You should not try to burn as many calories as possible. What you should do is reduce your calories slightly. And if you think about it, like to get in a calorie deficit, often a good place to start is like three to 500 calories. And you know, that's a ballpark figure. If you're a very small individual or a very big individual, that may not be as applicable. But if we're we're talking like 300, 300 to 500 calories of a deficit to get started, that could be like taking one snack out of your day as opposed to the alternative, if you're trying to burn three to 500 calories, you're going to do like hours and hours of additional cardio each week. It's so much easier to just take, like put the candy bar down every day. So that's a rant, but it's a, I feel like it's very important to mention that when we talk about what a calorie deficit is. So that is a calorie deficit. It's when you are taking in fewer calories from food than your body burns on a daily basis. Now, how do you track it? The best way to track it is to find a free nutrition tracking app, download it on your phone, and start learning how to track your nutrition. I use MyFitnessPal with all my clients. I think it's the easiest one to use. There are other great ones out there. Um, but it is the reason I like MyFitnessPal is because it is so user-friendly. It's, it's almost impossible to not start to make improvements with your nutrition because um, there's a food database that's just so humongous in my fitness pal where it's like whatever food you're eating if you start typing it in that food will probably pop up and it'll pop up with all the accurate nutritional information and you simply hit a check mark you add it to your nutrition diary for that day and as you add food throughout the day your numbers tally up for you so you get to see your calories tally up your fats go tally up carbohydrates protein all that um, it's super super easy and and the cool thing about tracking your nutrition is in order to track your nutrition as accurately as possible, you should probably be weighing and measuring food. And by using this app, it kind of forces you to, okay, let's get a food scale and learn how to weigh out five ounces of chicken. And we can learn and visualize and see what five ounces of chicken looks like or a cup of rice or whatever it may be. Um, And you start to track things more and more and more accurately over time, log them in MyFitnessPal. And uh, like I said at the beginning, I think the best place to start with tracking your nutrition for a calorie deficit is to start off, don't change anything about your diet. Just start tracking your regular nutrition as it stands right now and do that for one to two weeks. And at the end of those two weeks, tally things up, find out what your your daily average intake is. So if you find out your daily average intake is 2,500 calories and you're gaining weight, then it should be as simple as reducing 10%, reduce 15%, use that as a goal now moving forward and try and hit that number every day. So if you reduce by 10%, 2,500 calories, that's 250 calories out of there. So your calorie goal would be 2,250 a day Try to hit that. Try to stay below that number. Do that for another one to two weeks and monitor your body weight. See how your body weight is trending. And if your body weight starts to go down over the next one to two weeks, that means you're in a calorie deficit. It's as simple as that. Um, You can also, I I, I do also recommend tracking uh, your waist measurements and taking some progress photos occasionally because sometimes 
you know, the scale can be tricky. Your, your weight can fluctuate up and down based on so many factors that day to day, the scale weight is not going to be necessarily the best measurement for progress and even sometimes week to week. So if you get in a calorie deficit and you start strength training and you've never strength trained before, you're probably going to build muscle while you're burning body fat and like the scale may not move, but if you're taking waist measurements, that's going to help give you a picture of whether you're losing body fat. If you take progress photos, it's going to show you how your body is evolving over time. So the more you track of your body composition, in addition to tracking your nutrition, um, it's going to make it that much easier to find out if you are in a calorie deficit. And I have a, a article on my website that breaks all this down. So if you're interested in checking that out, if you go on chrisgatesfitness.com, the article is how to know if I'm in a calorie deficit and it shows you everything that you should do. So I would recommend you check that out if, uh, if you want to learn more. But the nuts and bolts of it, what's calorie deficit? It's when you are taking in fewer calories from food than you're burning. And how do you track it? Find an app and start tracking. That's, uh, that's, how, you, that's how you get there. Um, so I hope that helps. Okay, question number two. When should you do a deload week? This one came at a really great time because I actually had a cool interaction with one of my clients recently where I set up a deload week for her. And it was... Uh, the first time she had ever done a deload week as a new client, and she was just blown away by like, I didn't even know this was a thing. Wow, like it's active recovery. I feel so much better. I needed this so bad right now. The the exercises feel easier. I feel stronger. I feel more refreshed. I'm excited to get into the next block of training. Like everything that you'd want to hear about a deload week uh, happened because I gave her a deload week. And so let's talk about what that is. A deload week is essentially... Um, a week that happens periodically, probably every four to eight weeks, and, and we'll get more into the timing of it here in a second. Um, but it is a week where you continue to train, and really you probably continue to do exactly the same training routine that you've been doing, but you scale the intensity and the volume back uh, quite a bit. So by that I mean with scaling intensity back, you probably lighten the load on a lot of exercises. You reduce the amount of weight that's being lifted. And for re reducing volume, you're going to cut back on sets and or reps for each of the exercises. Um, and this is in order to, if, if a training block is scheduled, if it's programmed appropriately from week one till the end of that training block, um, and a training block is just a period of time where you are consistently training. From the start to the finish of a training block, you should see your workload go up. It should be intensity increasing throughout the training block. And by the end of the training block, the intensity should be high enough that like, okay, we need to take a break because we've accumulated a lot of fatigue, right? As you lift weights, you 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 feel the soreness with your muscles, um, and the the heavier the weights get, the more volume you're doing, the more intense things get, the the more you accumulate fatigue, um, to the point where it's like a, a night of sleep isn't gonna get all that fatigue to clear away, and and you can continue to make progress and continue to train hard. So, um, deload weeks are really helpful in in order to help you continue to consistently train hard over a long period of time. And ironically, you do that by having a week where you don't train as hard. Um, so that's what a deload week is in a nutshell. It's just like a week that's active recovery. You, you, you continue training, but you scale the workload back uh, considerably so that you're still using the, the muscles that you've been using. So you're still 
working on the motor patterns that you've been doing. You could also consider it to be like a technique week where you lighten the load and you just focus on form and technique for each of the exercises that you're doing. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, it is intended to give you added rest and recovery. Now, when should you do a deload week? I kind of talked about a training block right right before uh, this piece here where it's 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 kind of variable. It depends on the person. It depends on the type of training that you're doing. It depends on how experienced you are. I typically say every four to eight weeks, and for most of my clients, we, we typically go like six, seven, eight weeks regularly, uh, and we structure the training blocks in a way, I structure the training blocks in a way that allows four, six, seven, eight straight weeks of training before we have to hit a deload week. So we're slowly, methodically, and progressively increasing the workload over time, and then we hit that deload week get refreshed, get rejuvenated, get recovered, and then start a new training block and continue to scale that intensity up even more. So if you don't have anybody doing your programming for you, um, an easy way to figure out if you're at the point where you should do a deload week is take a step back and analyze how you're feeling. Um, do you feel sluggish? Do you feel tired? Do you feel uh, the muscle soreness? Is it the muscle soreness lasting longer and longer after each workout? Um, are you plateaued with your training? Like, have you gotten to a point where you're really struggling to add weight or sets or reps to the exercises that you're doing? Uh, these are all signs that your body probably needs a break and you would benefit from a deload week. But, um, the thing I will say is like one of the most beneficial things of having a coach and I have a coach, like I have somebody now that does my programming, tells me when to take a deload week, all that good stuff. Um, and that's because I run into the problem I'm about to talk about. It's hard as an individual who wants to train hard and make progress to say, yeah, I should I should scale things back because we're just conditioned that to have the, well, if some is good, more is better. And if I stop training, I'm going to lose all my progress. Like that's a, it's so, it's so typical to think that way. And I totally get it. And I, I fall into that trap too. I'm really good at being objective for my clients, but I'm not as good at being objective for myself. And I don't think any of us are. So a really big benefit can to having a coach can be, okay, the, this coach can, not only structure my training in a way that progresses me in the direction that I want to go, but can also manage my recovery well. And that's where the deload week comes into, into play. But I would say if you're training hard at maximum, you should go eight weeks before you hit a deload. Um, but it could happen even sooner. So between four and eight weeks is typically a good, a good rule of thumb. All right, question number three. This is the one about supplementation. So I got a number of questions about like, what sh supplements should I be using? Is this supplement good? Is that supplement good? People asking what supplements do I use? So I figured I would just talk about the top three, okay? And I'll talk about the supplements that I use as well. And it involves more than the top three, but let's go through the top three first because there are three supplements that you know we know pretty darn well at this point that they're, they're safe, they're effective. And if you take them, they're probably going to do for you what you want them to do. Uh, the first is creatine. And I talked about this in the previous uh, episode. So part one of the Q and a, I'm not going to go into a ton of detail about creatine. Uh, I will just reiterate that it is the most studied molecule in all of sports science. 
and we know it is safe and effective. Virtually everybody can benefit by taking three to five grams a day. Okay, so that's number one. Number two uh, would be whey protein, I think, because most people struggle to get in high enough protein on a daily basis. That's just a fact. Um, so that's where supplementation can come in and be really effective. And a whey isolate is going to be is going to give you everything that you need. Um, it's going to have the amino acids that you need to build muscle, to recover from your workouts, and and, and keep moving forward. So uh, a whey isolate would be uh, number two. And then number three is caffeine. We know based on hundreds and hundreds of research studies that if you take caffeine before training, you're going to see better performance. We just know that that's, that's the case. And I, I know I don't have to convince you of that because you've probably had caffeine. You've probably drank coffee and you know that like when you take, when you have coffee, uh, you feel more energetic, you feel more alert, you do better work, all that type of stuff. So those are the three that like, Hey, they're studied. We know these things work. And, um, if you, have the money to spend on them, you can, and and it will probably benefit you. So for caffeine, I don't mean go buy caffeine pills. Normally it's like, okay, some pre-workout supplement that you enjoy. Um, Now, in addition to those, like I take several other supplements um, and I can run you through them pretty quickly. So I take those three, right? I take, uh, I have a scoop and a half away every day with my breakfast Um, I do a pre-workout supplement before I work out uh, that has caffeine in it. I also add a pump product to that for my workouts, Um, not because it's necessary, uh, because there's some research that suggests it might help, so I take it, and I also really like the feeling of just uh, better blood flow when I am lifting weights, so I add that to my pre-workout supplement before um, before I lift. And after my workouts, I always take five grams of creatine. Creatine monohydrate is, uh, I don't think I mentioned that earlier. Creatine monohydrate, three, to, or I take five grams a day. If you take three to five, anywhere in that range, uh, it's going to benefit you. I also take fish oil, uh, because there's a decent amount of research that suggests that it's probably beneficial. <laughs> so that's good enough for me. Uh, I take a multivitamin, um, because I feel like it can't hurt, right? I, I do eat a pretty nutritious diet, so do I need a multivitamin? Uh, I would actually guess probably not, but I feel like it can't hurt. I got a little bit of extra money I can throw at it, so yeah, get a multivitamin. Um, what else is there? Uh, I take vitamin D because I live in the northeastern part of the United States in a city called Pittsburgh where the sun doesn't like to shine all the time. Uh, so I take that. Um, and I take a magnesium supplement because once again, like in this region of the country and really North America, a lot of people are magnesium deficient and don't know it. Um, so I just want to try and avoid that. Those are the supplements that I use uh, on a regular basis, but outside of those top three, I don't think you need to be taking any of these other ones unless you know that you have a deficiency or uh, know that you need help getting some type of nutrient that you can't otherwise get from your diet. That's really what supplements are intended for, right? It's to supplement your diet. It's not to be, you know, like so many people take greens powders and because they, they say they're deficient on fruits and vegetables. Well, it's like, well, buy an apple. Like, can't you just, <laughs> can't you just eat fruit or vegetables? I don't know. I don't get it. Um, but yeah, it's important to know that these things aren't a hundred percent necessary. Um, 
more so they're intended to supplement your diet if you are deficient in some way, shape, or form. Um, and those top three, I think, are really the only ones that you, if you have the money to spend on them, those are the three that I would recommend. All right, question number four. What's the best way to get restarted after a long layoff with training? Uh, this is a great question. Uh, you know, and it's so hard to give a specific answer because it's going to be very specific to you and what you had been doing and what you want to do, what your goal is. But just in a, in general, to get restarted after a long layoff with training, if you had been regularly strength training before or regularly whatever type of training you do, it's actually amazing how quickly the body responds and gets can get you back up to the level of fitness you were at before. Like specifically with building muscle, we know so much about the mechanics of building muscle now that like your body actually holds on to all the cells and the nuclei that you built to build muscle. If, even if you get detrained and you stop lifting and you lose some of that muscle, the next time you start lifting again, like you'll see in like two to three weeks, you're going to gain a lot of muscle back really quickly because all of that stuff is still there in your body waiting to be activated. Um, and you know, as a runner, I've found endurance training to be similar to where it's like, if you take a, a while off, it's amazing how quickly you can get back into it. And like, yeah, those first few runs are going to feel awful. But like, if you keep consistent with it, you'll get a lot of your endurance back pretty quickly. So the, the main thing I would recommend is just like, don't try to pick up where you left off. Don't try to start lifting the same amount of weight. Don't start trying to try to run the same amount of mileage that, that you had when been before you stopped training. Um, start slow, incrementally work your way up to it over time. There's no, this isn't a race, right? If you try to pick up where you left off, you're going to feel awful. It's going to be, you're going to be sore you're in, in levels of soreness that you can't even imagine. And that's going to really probably negatively impact how much exercise you're able to do. So then you have to stop again. And it's just going to make things really difficult. I would say start slow, ease your way back into training. Don't view this as a race to get back to where you were. You will get back to where you were quicker than you think if you take a slow and steady approach. So uh, best way to get restarted after a long layoff with training is slowly. Don't, don't treat this as a race. Take it slow. Okay, question number five. Spring break is coming up. What can I do to me feel more confident in a bathing suit? Um, this is timely, right? Because it's that time of year with uh, Easter coming up. Spring break is popping up all around. And uh, it's a good question. I think like I, there are two ways that I could go with this question because there's certainly things you can do to feel more confident. Um my brain first goes to the fact though that like spring break is coming up soon, right? <laughs> we're, we're not that far away or it may have already happened. But like if you got spring break coming up, um, you probably have like a week or two or it's not, you know, there's not a lot of time leading up to it. And like I talked about this a bit in the previous part, part one of the Q and a where don't, don't think that like you should do some type of rapid fat loss protocol or something like that because you can make, you can lose 20 pounds of fat in two weeks or something like that because that's not practical. It's not feasible. You can't do it. Um, so like it is important to understand that if you are coming up on spring break and it's only a week or two away, there is only so much you can do to burn body fat or build muscle or whatever you want to do to feel confident and look good in a bathing suit. The amount of change that you can make realistically, um, is not a ton, 
But that doesn't mean that you can't do things that would make you feel confident. And that doesn't mean that there aren't things that you can't do to make some change. Um, One thing that comes to mind is like, whatever your diet is like right now, if you can try and prioritize more whole and nutritious foods, that oftentimes can make a lot of water weight come off, a lot of bloat come off, um, just because you're you're kind of getting a lot of the more heavily processed foods out of your diet. And I think anybody knows, like the less bloated you feel, um, you probably feel a bit more confident about your body. I, I think that's that's kind of a universal thing across the board. So you can do things with your diet that just make you feel better in your own skin, and that's prioritizing whole nutritious foods. By whole and nutritious foods, I mean like one to two ingredients and that's it. So like a chicken breast is what's the ingredient? It's chicken, right? It's not like some breaded fried thing that has 42 ingredients in it. We're talking about whole nutritious, clean foods. Um, those are probably going to help you feel a bit more confident. And you know, there, there is something to be said for getting in some workouts before you go on your trip or even when you're on your trip. Uh, I, you know, I'm actually about to I'm about to head off to uh, a bachelor party and I'm still planning on getting all of my strength training in Uh, the day before the bachelor party. I'm going to be stopping on the way down there. I'm going to do a deadlift session. I know that's going to make me feel good. I'm taking my running shoes. I'm going to try and go for a run when I'm down there because I know that's going to make me feel good. So like getting in some type of exercise that you're able to, that you enjoy, that makes you feel good is only going to further increase your confidence and, and how good you feel later in the day. So like getting up, starting the day with some form of exercise, wherever you are on spring break and letting that bleed into the rest of the day and letting that trickle down and, and positively affect the rest of your day is uh, very real. And that can help you feel um, a bit more confident. But like I said, don't, don't feel like this is the time now to all of a sudden dive into an aggressive diet where you're eating 500 calories a day to lose as much weight as you can. Cause that's actually going to that's going to hurt your confidence more than it is going to help. And that's going to potentially put you in a really dangerous situation. So let's be clear on that. But some of those things I just mentioned are things you can do to help your confidence and uh, help you feel uh, a bit better uh, when you're going to the beach or the pool or wherever you're going and wherever you're going, I hope you're having a great time. Um, so yeah, I hope that that answer helps, but that's going to wrap up today's episode of the podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in, for joining me. Uh, and I hope uh, these questions and answers helped you. So like I said at the top, if uh, you're interested in coaching at all and want to learn more, you can hit that coaching link in the show notes. And if you have, uh, you know, if you like what you see and, and you're interested in talking to me more about your goals and want to uh, talk about what a program might look like for you, you could fill out a coaching application. I will follow up with you. And uh, like I said, we can talk, we could talk more about getting you started. So um, if you have a goal, need some help to achieve it. I hope you'll reach out, but thank you again for listening. This was a fun one. I'm looking forward to the next episode. And until then I will talk to you later.